This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Other times you need a deeper understanding of what's going on. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Justin Kaufman, and this is Reset. Today on the podcast, COVID-19 tightens its grip on Illinois. Well, we anticipated it, and uh, we warned about it, and we all knew it was coming. The second wave is now here. But it's not only here, it's more dire than what we saw in the spring. That's Illinois Public Health Director Dr. Ngaze Azike. Hospitals are starting to feel the strain now, but cases and deaths are expected to go through the roof in the coming months if we don't start taking some serious countermeasures. Yesterday, Governor Prisker laid it all out. Starting Friday, all of Illinois is moving to Tier 3 resurgence mitigations. This is not a stay-at-home order, but the best way for us to avoid a stay-at-home order is to stay home. Joining me now to break it all down is WBEZ state politics reporter Tony Arnold. Hey, Tony. Hey, Justin. Thanks for having me. All right. So was this announcement a surprise or or did we know this was coming, this, this idea of more restrictions put in place this week? Yeah, Prisker's been laying the groundwork for several weeks now um, that more will be coming. It started about a month ago when he started to shut down indoor dining gradually in certain regions across the state that we're seeing these spikes in cases and it's just escalated eventually every region of the state saw these restrictions on indoor dining and drinking and now it culminated into this new statewide order that shuts down a few industries limits capacity and a few more and it seems to me like this is a precursor to a stay-at-home order a full-fledged stay-at-home order if if it doesn't work, if if the numbers continue to get worse. Tony, what is it with uh, the governor and the mayor and other uh, leaders saying, you know, these are advisories or, or staying away from the idea of saying this is a stay at home, quote unquote, order? Why isn't he making that call? Cases are higher than ever right now. Two things come to my mind. One is that Pritzker, since he got so much, I'd say, criticism at the beginning over how he handled the first stay at home order, he's been really pushing local officials to come up with their own solutions. Um, and they were asking for it, too. They were asking for, give us the ability to do our, what we want. And he gave them the ability to, and then most of them ended up not doing anything. Maybe not, not necessarily mm-hmm. true around Chicago. Chicago obviously did, so did Cook County and some of the suburbs. But when you get further out into the suburbs and downstate, you're not seeing as many local officials taking the hard decisions to put any restrictions in order. And that ultimately put Prisker in this position of saying, okay, well, we have to get a hold of this somehow. And so he's, once again, putting forward his own plan. Mm-hmm. And so I think what he's saying is, this is your last warning, um, without saying that so much in his own words, that's my interpretation of it, is that this is it. If we don't stop this exponential growth in cases that we're seeing, then things are about to get even harder. Yeah. And, and you know, the, earlier on in the spring, when when the governor had a stay-at-home order, uh, there were so many in the state that were saying, this doesn't affect me. 
this is, you know, this is a Chicago problem. This is, uh, you know, more the more the, the the large dense populations are. This time around, coming up here in 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 November, you're seeing that downstate Illinois is as bad or worse than what we see in the northern part of the state. So it's obvious that this that the governor at this point, uh, you know, has to do more to try and bring all of this state together. Yeah, and when you look at where the cases are are bad right now, you're looking at two parts in particular of the state, which is one uh, in our area, Will County and Kankakee County. I'm, I'm just looking right now at the public health's website, 12% of surge hospital bed capacity in Will and Kankakee County. It's um, not a good situation there. And then um, also in the region in northeastern Illinois, um, basically Rockford to the Iowa border, also not looking good there for hospitalizations, which is a once you hit that point, then it's it's getting even worse. So yeah. um, it's it just something else needed to be done because the stopping of indoor dining didn't didn't slow down the growth in cases. All right. So tier three, we're back to tier three, doing tiers. Uh, it begins on Friday. So what are the main changes that are going to take effect? And let's start. Let's start with what's going to close. Museums, casinos, and theaters are going to be closed starting Thursday night, Friday morning. New capacity limits on. Uh, many other industries, retail, that includes grocery stores, pharmacies, uh, any big box stores. Although groceries and pharmacies, you can have a few more. It's at 50%. Uh, everywhere else, it's mm. if you go for clothes shopping, it's something like 25% capacity. How are they going to enforce that, Tony? Because, I mean, here comes Thanksgiving. I mean, you're going to people on when, I mean, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, going out to get their fixings to be able to socially distance and safely do Thanksgiving. But I would assume that's going to cause a lot of havoc when it comes to uh, grocery stores and that, that people never thought there would be capacity or, or limits on capacities in those places. I'm expecting to see those lines again, waiting to get inside uh, the Jewels or, or Mariano's or wherever else. Um, you know, I, I think that those are going to be returning because they're going to have to comply with this. Um, or else run the risk of being the location where people are, are getting sick from. Outside of that, when you talk about enforcement, this has been a, a topic that has just not gone away for the governor um, because he's asked for more tools that aren't quite as severe, but still punishment for businesses that don't comply with state regulations. And he's not been given those tools. So as a result, the state kind of has a a blunt force uh, to to use against places that mainly against restaurants or bars, and that would be taking away the liquor license. So I think that in terms of enforcement, it's going to fall more and more on local law enforcement to enforce it. We're seeing that, that a lot of local law enforcement is not willing to do that. And so you might just see some citations or some stern talking to's, and that's about it, that's about uh, it. For, for a little bit here. Back in the spring, you saw a lot of uh, pushback, uh, whether that was from local municipalities or for uh, Republicans who are against uh, Governor Pritzker's measures. Is that pushback still a thing here in November? Are you seeing uh, the same forces that rallied against uh, stay-at-home orders and measures back in the spring doing the same right now? I mean, I'm not seeing rallies like I did earlier in the year. Um, Those rallies from conservative groups that they weren't very big, um, but they did draw a crowd, and, and um, these are the rallies that became infamous because they took pictures of Pritzker and put a Hitler mustache on him, and right. comparing him to Hitler or, or Nazis. But aside from that, there has been very gradually, very slowly, 
court cases that have been working their way through the courts. And it's been all over the state. You're seeing it in Cook County and DuPage and Kane County and downstate in uh, Sangamon County. Virtually across the board, most judges are upholding what the governor is doing, saying that he has the authority to do all of this. Mm-hmm. Only a couple of judges, and I'm talking about maybe two or three, um, have, have cited against the governor. And all of those have been lost on appeal. Um, and what's, what's been going on, though, is that this is going so slowly that they're just, they continue to just kind of drag out in the courts. And the Illinois Supreme Court seems to be unwilling to take this up and, and settle this once and for all. And it's, it's just led to these, you know, even these lawsuits just piling up, um, even though that there has been widespread uniformity among the judges mm-hmm. about whether the governor does have the authority to do this or not when they're saying that he does. Yeah, and much different in Illinois than what we see in Wisconsin as well. But, you know, Tony, one of the things that, that's not lost on me is that this would be the veto session right now. This is where lawmakers in Springfield could have conversations about this. They could put forth legislation. They could change the way we think. That's just not a thing in Illinois right now. It is all from the executive branch or nothing. And I want to wrap because there's a political story as well that I think is bubbling up that it, I just find fascinating that what was it six more state reps democrats came out yesterday and said they're not going to vote for speaker madigan's re-election coming up in january and that makes the 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 margins of i think it's like he can't lose another democrat to to be re-elected as speaker this is uh this is unprecedented in the state of illinois what madigan's been speaker since 1986 these latest lawmakers house democrats uh who who put a, a statement out they gave themselves some wiggle room I mean, they're calling for new leadership in the House of Representatives, a new speaker, but they're not saying that they won't support Madigan. I'm, I'm parsing the words there, but but if you read between the lines, they give themselves some some room mm-hmm. there. On the flip side, I'm seeing a drip, drip, drip here of, of unions in particular putting out statements, and, th- and they have a, a strong political force in Springfield who are supporting Madigan and saying that they support him again for speaker of the Illinois house. And it's substantial. It's a substantial issue because obviously who the speaker of the house is, is going to control the agenda. Democrats still have a super majority of representatives in Springfield. And so if you're controlling the agenda and what passes and what the state budget looks like, what legislation gets called, what uh, measures about policing get taken up, what measures about the pandemic, all the hot button things that are going on in our world right now, uh, this is a very significant issue. And so Illinois is not seen a, an Illinois speaker since the mid-90s, which was only a one-term situation. There's very few people around who even remember mm-hmm. that time at this point um, when Madigan was not speaker. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a significant issue. There's a lot of political consequences and a lot of consequences to people in the state uh, because mm. it would determine what legislation, you know, the Speaker of the House has so much power as what to is- what legislation is even taken up and what it looks like. And so Madigan's facing this uphill, well, I don't know that it's an uphill battle just yet. It's still, it's still, I'm not right enough that he's not going to be reelected speaker just yet. And uh, Meha pointed out, our producer, that he's been speaker since 1983, except for those two years. I said 86. But can you name who the speaker was who took over when Madigan uh, was out for those two years? Is this, a, is this my Jeopardy quiz? <laughs> this was before my I, time. I don't know it offhand. I'm offhand. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of spitballing here. But I think it was Lee Daniels. I think it was yeah, the Republicans right. who took over yes. at that time in the middle when Governor Edgar was in office. But, uh, yeah, that, yes. that's a nice little uh, trivia question 
for for Illinois ge- uh, political geeks. Uh, Tony Arnold, WBEC state uh, politics reporter. Tony, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Justin, and and it's been great having you on our air. It's been you've been a great host. And that's today's Reset. Please take less than a minute to give the podcast a rating. It really helps other people find us for the latest numbers and most in-depth reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. Catch this podcast Monday through Friday or go to WBEZ anytime, 91.5 on the dial or WBEZ.org. Or ask your smart speaker to play WBEZ. I'm Justin Kaufman. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you right back here tomorrow. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.